0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 25 of Draft Politics. I'm your host, Steve, along with me as always. It's EJ, happy quarter century in the episodes. That's
1: right, wow. We've we've done a good job of keeping up with this. Yeah. So if you've been with us since the beginning, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, it's been a lot of fun these first 25 episodes.
0: And if you haven't rated us on iTunes yet, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, After twenty five exactly. episodes, you'd think you'd have a good body of work, you know? Yeah,
1: you know, I was checking on iTunes today. We have a five star rating. Yes,
0: five star rating.
1: Same five star rating we've had. That's still, okay. I don't have an app. I mean,
0: I rather. Hey, it's better to be a four star rating.
1: That's you know? true. That's true. Lots to talk about this week. You know, I think it's going to be a lot of what will feel like broken record for a while, at least until at the end of the year. I'm, I'm guessing. Yes. Uh, So it's a little mix of hope, despair, schadenfreude, fear. Yeah.
0: You know, and and maybe it's my love of German, which I don't actually speak, but I love it anyhow. Maybe we should start with schadenfreude.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, And I guess different kinds of schadenfreude, depending on how much you care about sports. But the Washington Nationals, back in the World Series... Actually, in the World Series for the first time. The Nationals have never been in there. The last time the team from Washington was in the World Series was the Washington Senators in some year that I don't know or care about. So, it's been a while. So, there, Game 5, Series 2-2. The president decides to go to the game, shows up. They show him on the big screen. There's applause for about 12 seconds. And then the boos start coming in. And... Watching the look on his face, from the fist pumping and clapping, and I'm the best, and watching everything just sink—yes,
0: I mean, you know, so
1: satisfying.
0: I think it's like I, I want there to be justice for what I see going on, but I know it's not coming soon. And so, having just watching him suffer a little bit at least makes me feel like okay, like it gets me through, you know, like a little bit now. Hopefully some justice will be coming before too long. I mean, you've got to think that he showed
1: up at the game wholeheartedly expecting not just, like, this full-throated embrace and applause and he's the best and all of that. But, like, he's thinking he might get called in to pitch. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, I could pitch this game.
0: Right. Like
1: like a non-zero
0: percent chance. But what about the small hands thing? I mean, if he goes out there to throw the ball, would he be able to actually hold the ball?
1: Uh, he's a knuckleballer. Oh, he's a knuckleballer. Everybody, okay, knows, that, yeah. Yeah, all right. Everybody knows he's a knuckleballer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, one of the things that came up around this was some, some sort of meta talk about this, about, you know, is this an appropriate thing for people at the sports stadium to do? And I want to know kind of what your thoughts were. Is, is, you know, and, so this all de- and where this all came into was it devolved into them chanting, lock him up. Uh, and so, what are your thoughts on that, EJ? It's the office of the president. I, I, you know, I believe, I don't believe that they were
1: cheering or booing anything about the office of the president. They were, they were talking about the occupant who has really defined the level of respect for the office.
0: Well, and I think that's kind of where I land on this, too, is I think you do... There's a certain amount of deference that you should pay to the president and the presidency. However... That's a mutual thing. Like, that means they also should act in a way that that sort of commands that respect. And he very clearly has not. Um, You know, the whole lock him up thing, let's be clear, he started that. Yes. (laughs) It's objectively
1: funny. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't think deep down that, that Donald Trump sees that as a problem. I don't think he sees it as disrespecting the office of the president. I think he feels personally. Attacked. Yeah, he only cares about himself, anyhow. Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't care about that office. Right. And that really, I think, is at the heart of the problem with a capital P. Yes. Not pool, but the problem. Right. And, and how a lot of people are not sure how to feel about this because the president wants to do things, evidently, that diminish the prestige, real or perceived. Of the presidency, yes, in exchange for doing things that he himself thinks are great, and that's, I think that's that really is at the heart of a lot of the, maybe the, the debate between whether or not he's doing things that
0: he should be or should not be doing, right outside right. of policy, yeah. Uh, and he did have another opportunity to get booed, although I don't think he heard any of it. Uh, he was here in town yeah. Uh, today. Yeah, so he was here. He was here, came in for uh, to
1: speak to the National Association of uh, Police Chiefs uh, yes. down at McCormick. So flew into O'Hare, took a helicopter down
0: to Soldier Field, Yeah, it's like, and I saw actually saw uh, the helicopters fly over a few days ago. So I'm assuming there was like some some pre setup, making sure everything's good. But yes, he was actually in town today. Yeah, and Um, then
1: uh, what was there for that speech? Very friendly audience to him. Oh, I'm sure. And of course, he took the time to you know bash Chicago and Eddie Johnson, who boycotted. Right. So nobody in Chicago was at all welcoming to Donald Trump in city politics or in the city administration which
0: is not any grand surprise i mean even you know i think it's like if if he was a more reasonable more respect commanding president those people would have been you know like hey he's in town that's nice like it wouldn't have been a thing whereas not not showing up or actively criticizing him those were things that really were demanded of the people uh in, in right. city politics
1: right yeah i think laurie just ignored him the eddie johnson was like uh personally i can't go anywhere near him you know of course eddie johnson's got other issues but that's for the local podcast right so and then of course the protests uh the protests that were all over the city today sort of saying not welcome here etc including outside of his hotel uh, where people were protesting the fundraiser that was put on there by the Ricketts. Yes. So Go, Go Cubs. Cubs. <laughs> and <laughs> So something that I, I had heard about before but hadn't remembered until today was that there is a tunnel that goes under the city that's used in very, you know, by a very small number of people to get around like the mayor or the yeah. president
0: or for running prohibition era liquor that's yes. that's really all you're allowed to use it for you could still
1: do it for that <laughs> and the president got to drive downtown to get to his building mostly underground to avoid the protesters yeah bummer i mean i really well, think you know i you should the, have closed that off to him
0: the the capitals fans you know they they did it for us we you know they they covered our bases so that's i think true. i think we're okay they did, help. Um,
1: they did help with that. Yeah. So I did see him leaving, flying out on Marine One over the house. Yeah. Gestures were exchanged. Of course. I'm assuming they were exchanged.
0: Yes. So yeah, it, I would have exchanged gestures when I saw the test flight go over, but yeah. uh, I wasn't sure what it was. and Oh, well. So the other interesting thing is
1: Barack Obama and Michelle Obama are here right now as well. Oh, Yes. I, I assume they, they were booed as well. I, I don't believe any protests were planned. Oh, huh, Weird. For the Obamas. That is weird. It's almost
0: like they were decent people. Yeah,
1: they're also from Chicago, so that probably helps too. But it, it does help. Know. So they're here for the Obama Foundation Summit. Uh, that's tomorrow and Wednesday, I think. So um, really interesting, really interesting to see the last, the current and last president here in town at the you same know, time. I,
0: I find myself wondering, how did Obama? Get to where he was going from the airport, you know. Like you know, the president has Marine One, but obviously he doesn't have Marine One anymore, and he doesn't, I assume, have the 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 Catzilla or whatever the the big yeah, the, armored car thing. Yeah, I, I I'm
1: assuming it's in some sort of Chevy Chevy Suburban, right? He probably like, has to pay for it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's a really interesting I mean, question. Security, yeah, I don't know. Anybody out there who knows? how ex-presidents are transported around. Like, how does Jimmy Carter get from the hospital to Habitat for Humanity? And back. And back. Because and then then those are the only two places Yeah,
0: she just, just goes to Habitat for Humanity. And... Uh, I, it's
1: a it's a really, really interesting, interesting question. Yeah. Um, I, and, you know, something else to say about that speech that the president gave today. It was sort of classic Trumpy, you know, the people around me should love me because I've done so much for you. And... I'm going to conflate facts and say things that don't make sense, like, because of me, crime everywhere is going down, except for Chicago, because it's worse than Afga- Afghanistan. Right.
0: Okay. You know, and I will say, we do have something very much in common with Afghanistan. Neither one of us really likes Trump. <laughs> True. I think that hopefully the
1: differences end there. You're right. We're pretty flat. We're all, we're all They're, mountainous. People. They're But, you know, who right. knows? So, of course, he took some time to rant about the impeachment proceedings, which are another good thing to talk about, because we've had as I think we're going to have a full week of interesting testimony, some things have come out. Uh, where do you want to start? do you want to start with do you want to start with process and and what's going on? you want to start with bill Taylor?
0: uh you know i I think the most exciting part of this week was. Shifts skiff. Mm. Yes. So, uh, you know, like this doesn't really have much to do with impeachment itself, but it's like it talks. It it gets a lot at the process of this, at the where the different parties are, uh, and how they're looking at all of this. So, what happened was about thirty Republicans decided that they were going to enter a closed hearing where they were going to be uh, deposing uh, one of the witnesses uh, for the impeachment process. And so basically what's going on right now is they're deposing different witnesses in private so that they can figure out if somebody's lying and they can compare notes between different people, you know, basically what you'd expect for any kind of investigation. And so these 30 Republicans are like, they aren't they aren't opening up the process and we need to be in there. Except... 13 of the Republicans who were amongst that 30 were allowed to be in the meeting that they barged in on. They were, like, totally authorized to be there. There were Republicans in the room when they barged in. Right, the room that they, according to the other Republicans, no Republicans were in. Right, exactly. And they made this big deal, like, they were recording video as they started to enter the secure area. Um, So all of this is being held in what is called a... It's a SCIF, a sensitive compartmented information facility. And what it is is it's a secure room where electronics are not allowed in there to protect uh, any sort of information data in there. Essentially create effectively a gap between that and any potential networks and hackers and all that good stuff.
1: And, and the skiff is not just a congressional thing. There are skiffs yes. all over the yes. place.
0: There are skiffs in various buildings. There are portable skiffs. Like, they can go on-site to uh, uh, some sort of, you know, like they're visiting a, in a hotel at some uh, summit. They can set up a skiff there temporarily. Um, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yes. Have skiff full we'll travel. Yes. So
1: Matt Gates, right, or Mike my- Gertz, Gertz, Gates, 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 Matt it's Gates. Called Gates. Yeah, from uh, from Florida, first district. Yes, he kind of led the charge. I mean, this guy. First of all, <laughs> and and tying into the last story, if you see the best video, shot video of Trump, kind of slowly melting as he hears the views, Matt Gates is standing directly in front of him. Yeah, and keeps turning around like a puppy. Who's looking for approval. Right. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. But this guy leads the charge down there. Yeah. You know, and he, you know, he wants to get on TV. He wants to spout off, you know, all of the fake news about, and this is real fake news. Like Republicans aren't involved. There's no due process. When, of course, we know that the process is actually the process that was defined by Republicans. Yes.
0: And. So they decide they're going to go into this secure area. They're recording video as they're entering there, storming the gates, a la the 300. Um, and the, you hear somebody saying, okay, you need to turn off your cameras. You're not allowed to record in here. And they get to the skiff, uh, which is further inside this sort of secured hallway. Yeah. Now The thing is, you are not allowed to bring a phone into the SCIF. And the reason why is because a phone could be compromised by some foreign government. And foreign governments, as it turns out, have a lot of resources to spend on this kind of thing. And if there's anything they would love to hack more than a congressperson's phone, I can't imagine what it is. So the risk is they go in there with their phones. And if they do that, they're potentially bringing in something that has been hacked into mm-hmm. a secure facility. And it would potentially allow that phone to scan computers in there, eavesdrop on them, install malware, any number of bad things can happen. And that's why you're not allowed to bring a phone in there. And, and when you go in, you, the, the procedure is you check your phone, they will you know, have uh, metal detectors and everything to make sure that people don't do that. Um, by bringing that in there, They then compromise the security of the skiff. That means everything in there they now have to assume has been compromised because it might have been, and they sort of have to rebuild everything from scratch. It's a pain in the ass. (laughs) And it's illegal. And it's illegal. And apparently one of the things they were hoping for was to be arrested and to make a big show of everything, and the Democrats decided they didn't want to bother with that. The um, Sergeant at Arms just Demurred on it and didn 't arrest them, but he right. easily could have, and they were they were fighting
1: so hard to get arrested, so Adam Schiff left with the witness, and they were so hellbent on getting arrested, they said, well we 're not going to leave well then they got hungry, so they ordered pizza
0: <laughs> These are your tax not dollars at the work. onion, not the onion
1: right so Ladies and gentlemen, your tax dollars paid for protest
0: pizza from the Republicans in the Skiff. Yes. I didn't know that Papa John's delivered to Skiffs. Uh, it's good to know. Actually, it'd be interesting to see who the... Yeah, I have no idea who actually delivered. That would be I mean, the funny. Papa
1: John's is a good guess. You know, I, I would think it that feels somewhere... It on brand for them, but... Even after they fired Papa John?
0: Well, that's a point. I could see there'd be a backlash. Right. It, it drives me nuts because they make this whole thing about it being a process thing yep. when it's a process they set in place. They make transparency. They, they complain about not having access to the room when, at least, when nearly half of them had access to the room. All of the testimony and everything is all being recorded. They can get access to that. They could be in the room and ask questions. Those who aren't allowed to be in the room to ask questions could have somebody else ask questions for them. Sure. And,
1: and to be fair, and just open about it, right, there are three committees that are holding hearings that are using the SCIF right now. And all three of those have Republicans on the committees who are allowed in there. So 45, 48 Republicans, something like that, have access to the process. There's no, there's no lack of transparency yeah. to the, the parties. Right. And it was Domino's, by the way. Oh, and it was Domino's. Okay. Well, there we go. Avoid um, the noise.
0: The only <laughs> the, you know, And so ultimately what this is about is wanting to give you a sense that somehow the system is being corrupted. And that it's all unfair and slanted against the president it's all political when, ironically, they're acting in a political fashion. And that's what this is really about. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, it's just
1: ridiculous. And, and,
0: and the other thing is that they want this to be a public hearing because if it's a public hearing, they can get in a lot of good, like, Fox News sound bites of them throwing out conspiracy theories right. of, and smearing people, which doesn't work if it's just transcripts because they can ask the crazy questions and say be like no that's not what happened nothing to see right and the
1: rules are different in those closed door hearings because oftentimes it's attorneys asking the questions and and honestly for my money I I don't want Democrats or Republicans in those stupid ass public hearings where they're just grandstanding as you said for sound bites and I think that both parties do that. Yeah. Um, and we know that Adam Adam Schiff kind of famously did that in his sort of first public hearings previously, where he's like, well, the president said some stuff he didn't say. And so, so it's like, look, let's let attorneys do the questioning. Right. Let's And again, Republicans can have their attorneys. Democrats can have theirs. Everybody gets that in. And it is absolutely true that what you said is there is a... A technique used by prosecutors when they think that people could coordinate stories to obfuscate the truth, to separate all the liars. Yep. Not
0: let them know what everybody's saying. And you're already seeing some of that. Yeah. And I think part of what's important to understand about the process is kind of where we're at relative to if this was a criminal investigation. So we're at the point where the detectives are trying to figure out what's going on and they're gathering evidence and the prosecutor's putting together what their case is gonna be. We're not at the point of going to the grand jury. The grand jury is when you actually have the formal impeachment process and you have a vote on impeachment. That would be conviction by a grand jury, effectively, in the case of a president's being impeached.
1: Indictment, I think, is probably Oh, excuse me, indictment. That is the
0: word I meant to use. Um, I mean, I, I get that. Freudian slip. Try to, try Pope to get springs ahead of eternal. <laughs> Pope springs him eternal. it. springs eternal. Convict him Okay. Um, and then it would go to the Senate, and that's where then conviction would probably not happen, but we dare to dream. <laughs>
1: yeah, and again, I, I get, honestly, the point that says there's a lot going on, and there are some things coming out. And all the things that are coming out appear to be mostly from one, or let's say, most of the things coming out are damaging to the president. Right. And so, if I were somebody who really, 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 really believed that the president was perfect in every way, I, would, I, I could see how that would look biased. Like, this can't be the whole story because it's the story I don't want to hear. Right. And now now that, that said, like people like Mark Meadows, you know, they come out of those things and they're not like, well, that guy was totally incredible. He was, well, we just heard some stuff that didn't make any sense. They walk out of those hearings and they're quiet. Oh, yeah.
0: They have <laughs> nothing to say. Well, that's the thing is, like, if, if they could be putting leaks out there that were favorable to the president— they would be doing it, yeah. They aren't, so they're ordering pizza in the skiff, right? <laughs> so, and
1: and that's the thing. You know, we have seen time and time again that honestly, the Democrats are not as good at controlling the narrative as the Republicans
0: are. I will except say though, now, yeah, they have they have definitely upped their game a bit, and they've stopped playing the but you know the Queensberry rules or whatever. It's like okay we're going to keep this all on the down low because we know that once it's a public hearing, it's just going to turn to a circus right and that, and that and that is still going to come because all oh, this is going to be out in the public right. and and they will have those those hearings, but um, they're at least setting up the game at this point they're yeah. putting out all their pieces in place, and they're going to try to play it out as best they can, and we'll see what happens but yeah. so uh, a couple things,
1: I think, that are that are important before we talk about some of the individuals. But there now
0: is going to be a full vote in the House on Thursday, yes, right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, and so Pelosi had been initially resistant to doing this. Um, Republicans have been saying, oh, well, none of this is officially, legally, an actual impeachment until that happens, which is BS. Um, but... She's decided that she's going to move forward with this, which I'm assuming means she's got the entire House Democratic caucus on board. I, you know, and it's an interesting thing, and
1: uh, I'm going I'm to draw a parallel here in a second. But do you think that there needs to be
0: a unanimous caucus vote? I think it helps. I don't think it—I I mean, I don't think that it needs to be. I don't think there needs to be a vote at all. But I think that if they go with the vote and everybody's on board— it, it gives a sense of unity. Um, it, it establishes that it's... In a weird way, it establishes that it's not partisan because you have people who are sort of resistant to it because there could be political backbl- backlash on them yeah. that are still voting for it. Um, now, I don't think... The, I think that the concerns about that backlash are overblown and that ultimately... This will help those candidates, but you know we'll see what happens yeah. you know in a year ish from now,
1: so Connor Lamb, if you're listening, give us a call right we'd like to talk to you because
0: it's I mean it's those yeah, it's those districts that Lauren underwood Lauren is underwood. another one that's yeah, and it's it's and she's come out in favor of an you know an impeachment inquiry, yeah, so so but she hasn't had to vote for it, so that's another right. another step now. The other side to this is
1: the Republicans in the Senate, and I'll again I'm going to draw this mirror here. Lindsey Graham is wants to introduce a resolution saying that the House inquiry is, I don't know, bad in some way. Um, I, I he knows he's in the Senate, right? Yeah. Okay. And, and I, presumably <laughs> he's read this thing called the Constitution that talks about impeachment being solely controlled by the, the House. House. But he still wants to,
0: hey, to have whatever. this resolution. Have, have fun. You know, what else well, is he doing? But here's the
1: thing. So so this is why I think it's similar. Like, So but let me ask you this question. Do you want... Do you want there to be a full Senate vote on a resolution condemning the House impeachment inquiry? Hmm.
0: I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what the meaning of it would be. There's yeah. none. Well I know. There's That's none. what I'm saying. I'm like, okay, so like I mean like I was trying to like gaming that out in my head. I'm like, all right, well let's say I think the only risk for the Democrats is if if you have like a few Democrats who are like do decide that they're gonna vote for it, it looks a little sketchy. But I mean or but then the other side of this is some Republicans. Well and this could be actually where it gets interesting, is that, you know, does Susan Collins vote in favor of that. Uh, She's already said she won't co-sponsor it. Right.
1: But it's like I say bring it up. Yeah. I don't see any downside for the the Democrats. Right. Because I I
0: mean even like even the most conservative Democrats can say well it's not really our jurisdiction. Yeah. So we're just not going to vote it on procedural grounds whether you know the politics be what it is. And if one Republican doesn't vote for
1: it there's a great talking like it's, yeah like there's 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 a crack yeah look yep. at these idiots so you know i i think some of these and and i would say this is kind of more traditional legislative niggling politics that we're talking about here yeah. you know the things that quite frankly Nancy Pelosi is very well versed in and so is Mitch McConnell right a thousand curses upon his home but they this is what they're good at and maybe some people would say this is the whole problem but uh, you know this is where we're at um, I'm I am looking forward to the Thursday vote um, again it doesn't mean anything as yeah. you said uh, it doesn't give any it doesn't in any real way change the parameters of the inquiry yeah you know there are a few Things out there, the the president's stupid letter last week saying, "Well, we're not going to cooperate because you haven't had a full vote, and
0: it wasn't yeah. on a Tuesday." And he won't cooperate for some completely other reason yeah, after yeah. the vote. Yeah, yeah,
1: but there have been witnesses now who said, yeah.
0: "Well, we're not sure what's going on, so we're not going to come in." Well, and I think testify. Yeah, and I think what's going on at this point is like I, I think that all those people are going to still come up with excuses not to show up. But what what this is indicative of is. They're ready to move on to the next phase of this. They've got enough information collected at this point that they know the outlines of what's going on. Um I think one of the best things that we've seen so far, Bill Taylor's testimony, which we we saw the uh we didn't get obviously get all the testimony because this was a closed session, but we saw the skiff. Yeah. Aforementioned skiff. Yes. The aforementioned skiff. Um it was not the that was not the testimony that was interrupted. Um It was somebody from the Pentagon, but I forget what her name was. Um, But anyhow, uh, but basically he confirmed everything we know about the whole quid pro quo thing. Like he made it clear that uh, a, a White House appearance for Ukraine was on the agenda for the quid pro quo, that the defense allocation was part of the quid pro quo, that it was for investigating Joe Biden, that it was for investigating the 2016 conspiracy theory BS that Trump's come up with.
1: And the best thing was Bill Taylor's like, I don't want this job. I don't want this job. This job is going to suck. Oh, yeah. I've been there. I know what's going to happen. They're going to try to force all these stupid things that we don't want. I don't want this job. He's like, fine, I'll take the job. Just so you know, I'm taking copious amounts of notes exactly what I and, and I wonder if he had s- somebody had said like actually actually Bill why don't you spend like two days maybe the flight over writing out your nightmare scenario and then later on compare that to your notes <laughs> and they probably would have been exactly oh, the yeah. same oh yeah and so yeah he released they released that 15 page opening statement yeah and like I couldn't put that down yeah I was like this is amazing I mean, it it is just every step of the way. So a better read than the Mueller report? Uh, Shorter.
0: (laughs) More concise. That's for sure. um, Less ambiguous. Well, and I think he's got the advantage that he doesn't have to, he doesn't feel any any need to be ambiguous because he's not dealing with these weird nuances of what can and cannot be said. He's like, this is the shit that happened. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> this oh. is what I got in my notes. It's crazy, but it's true. What's What's really interesting about this is that the
1: Mueller report was ambiguous information about very clear laws. So you couldn't tell if a law was been had been broken because the the way the information was presented was a little ambiguous. Yes. In this case, it's very clear information. About things that aren't really laws. Yeah. So you have to decide if it's okay for a president to use whatever means necessary to further their own political aims. Right.
0: Like you can, you can stretch it to say that what went on with Ukraine is a form of extortion. You could say suggest that it is a violation of the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. Um, so there are some laws that you can definitely fit into that framework but the reality of it is this is all about the president abusing his power right. for purely political ends and we have countless laws and countless norms around you don't do that like you have to set, like you can't use government resources to right. lobby for you know something you know for yourself yeah, or for yourself i yeah.
1: mean i mean we have things like the hatch act yes the hatch Let's act say is like, what i had in you mind you can't even use your position to say one person is good or bad, you yeah. know, like oh, that person's good. Not that Kelly and Conway cares, but you know, you've got that pretty low bar. It's a much bigger thing to say. I'm going to withhold four hundred million dollars in aid, which are, you know, according to Bill Taylor, they're causing the deaths of Ukrainians every day. Yes. So. Again, I think it's really interesting but, you in you know, that. he's
0: part of the deep state, so what are you going to do?
1: I, I really hope that there are at least some people who say, you know, they start the day and they think everybody's against the president. He's great. He's amazing. And then at some point they realize that people are for the, you know, as soon as somebody says that uh, or as soon as somebody says anything that is sort of against the president at all, all of a sudden they are the worst person on earth. Oh, yeah. And they'll say, like, that doesn't make sense. Like, here's a guy who, you know, if it's Mueller, if it's Bill Taylor. You know, Bill Taylor was in Vietnam. You know, he went to West Point. Like, this is a guy with a 50-year history of service to the country. So he's got an axe
0: to grind, is what you're telling me. Oh, yeah, well, the, oh, he's a never-Trumper. like that. Yeah, but he served for Republicans. He served for Democrats. I mean, that's the thing that's so crazy about this, is, like, They have to distort everything to be specifically it's a they don't like Trump for these specific reasons. Like it has nothing to do with the actual reality of things that Trump is violating, not just the norms, but the laws of our country. Or
1: or worse, it's like they're against Trump for no reasons just because he's Trump and he's trying to do things, you know. Right. And and look, and I think we'll talk about this actually a little bit in the local podcast, too. This is not a. This is not a problem restricted to, you know, restricted to people on the right or the left or people who support Donald Trump or people who are against them. There are lots of people who will find an issue, and if somebody disagrees with them on that issue, whatever it may be, they will demonize that person in any way possible.
0: Oh, for sure. So. Yeah. So that... I think that pretty much wraps up impeachment specific things. Uh, Then we do have. What's that? For this week. Yes. Uh, But we do have a little bit of extra corruption related to Trump. Uh, This actually came out a couple weeks ago, but I want to kind of go back and make sure we covered it. Um, So ProPublica went and looked at, they did a FOIA request uh, to New York City to look at the tax appeals that Trump did for his properties. And what they discovered in this was that he was undervaluing his properties when, for tax reporting purposes, but was overstating the value for uh, when he was getting loans. Right. And so, you know, basically, what it is you know, like here in Chicago, you get the same thing where it's like you've got your property taxes, you file a thing to say, hey, here's what how much my property really should be worth, and that's what Trump was doing, but he was very much understating what the value should be, which is fraud, which is a crime. Yeah. Well, and and I think that a
1: big part of that were things that are unambiguous. Again, I've said that twice now in terms of, and, and this is pretty common in commercial real estate, you judge the value of something not just based on the land on which it sits, but occupancy rates and the trends of leasing and how much you're renting per square foot, all of those things. Right. And those are not things that are sort of debatable. Like, you have leases. You know when those leases have come in. They have numbers on them. And those numbers were reported in completely different ways.
0: Yeah. And so um, what's interesting then, so you see, like, in his numbers, he told the New York City tax officials uh, this is for the uh, Trump International Hotel. That he made 820,000 or so renting space to commercial tenants. When he went to apply for a loan, he told the loan officers that he made 1.67 million. So almost exactly double. And you could picture that
1: conversation, right? Doesn't look good, double it. Yeah.
0: So he's lying to somebody. Yeah. We don't know. Looks too good, half it. Yeah. And so. Now, you can imagine what's going to happen is this is all going to, you know, like, oh, well, you know, this was misreported and it was just a mistake and da da like and it'll go through courts, you know, if this ever comes yeah. up for years and years and years and years. That's what Trump does. And what he and, and ultimately what I suspect he'd probably do is try to settle for some fine or whatever right. and would never go to jail for it. But it's all part of the just sort of general habits of Trump is that right. he does doesn 't care about the law at all, and he will use it as correctly as he can for his own game
1: and this is just what what Michael Cohen said he was doing so Michael yes. Cohen 's like, "Hey, you really want some interesting information why don 't you go have a look at these books and see how much he 's reporting here and reporting here and keep in mind one of the other reasons why we have some of these numbers is that some of the loans you know so he would try to get loans um, those loans would get bundled into securities and so there had to be disclosure on those securities and so you could see the line items as well so yes. how is something valued how do they grade it you've got to have those line items it's like in the big short if you watch that movie or you know read about that like how do you know these are bad i read all the line i looked at all the individual mortgages yep. in there so these securities that are bundled have to be
0: you have to disclose those things yeah so, yeah, Trump's a crook. Okay. Uh, so I guess it takes us to international news. Yeah. Although we kind of stick around in the Trump world a little yeah, bit. It's, it's
1: amazing. Um, it's amazing.
0: So let me ask you this. Um, when you saw a tweet circulating from Trump saying something big is happening or something big just happened, what did you have any thoughts on that? Were you, what it, um, so... For mental health reasons, I don't go to Twitter. Oh, yeah. No, and I didn't. So. I saw like, something about it on Facebook from people who, who, who steep themselves in Twitter, but I do not go on Twitter either. Hey, follow us on Twitter. Exactly. That we don't go to.
1: But right. I would go to it. If you followed us, if you, right now, you, there listening in your car, I would follow you. Or walking Twitter.
0: or jogging yeah. or in space. Maybe there's an astronaut who downloads our podcast. That, that would know. be great. So I, I didn't see it right away. And so
1: I kind of got all the information at the same time. Yeah.
0: I, I saw it and I'm like, oh, God, what now? Oh, no. yeah, <laughs> Something big just um, happened. Yeah. So the big news was apparently... Uh, we'll get to why I'm saying that in a moment, but uh, the leader of ISIS, Abu Bakar al Baghdadi, I yeah. believe, is, yeah, uh, yeah. was apparently killed by uh, U.S. special forces. A B A B, as we, as Ab- we know. or Abab, yeah, not to be confused with Abba Budajedge um, <laughs> or <Buttigieg. laughs> Uh But apparently, this raid had been in the plans for uh, quite a while now. One of the problems, though, is that with Trump dramatically pulling out of Syria, kind of, but not really. Without telling anybody. Without telling anybody. uh, That kind of screwed up the planning for this raid. They had planned to do it with, like, you know, they had the intelligence assets in place, the drones, the whatever. Since that was all getting pulled out, they had to speed up the timeline for doing all of this. And do it at night. And do it at night. So making this whole thing much riskier than it otherwise would have. Uh, fortunately, uh, it seems our, our forces all weren't injured and, or killed in this process. Right. Um, what's interesting is, like, the timeline of how all of this unfolds. So apparently the raid happened at 3.30. Like, that's when he was killed. I'm not, like, not quite clear on what the timing line is. But um, a photo... Op ed, or, or, or excuse me, a photo op uh, with Trump trying to look presidential, was sitting with the presidential looking people, happened at 5 p.m., like an hour and a half after this has already right. happened. So.
1: I mean, I assume he TiVos this stuff just like it's Fox and Friends. Right. So, because he was definitely out golfing.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. So, like, was he golfing and then he's like, okay, we got that done. All right, I'm ready for my photo op? Or was. You know maybe he was there and he's like well because the videos cool like maybe he's excited and you can, like watch the the things go pew 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 on his on his TV but I who knows I mean
1: it and look objectively removing removing people I and I'll never say objectively you know the death of somebody is a good thing but this was not a. This was not a person we wanted influencing uh, things in the Middle East. Yeah, uh, and when I say this is a person, I, I mean either uh, Abu Bakr uh, al Baghdadi or uh, Donald Trump. But it, specifically al Baghdadi, like we did not want him there. He was, you know, part of the. Thank you. You know, part of the the, the leader of ISIS, and and ISIS was again objectively a bad thing, but. Everything that, and every way that the president has talked about it, puts sort of facts in doubt. He's like, "Oh yeah, I, I was a big raid, and we watched it, and like, and it, and he was crying like a dog at the end." But right. actually, like, it was that's, like
0: that's where I'm like, there was no audio. I don't, it, I don't know what you. It's very clear, like he has this vision of like a, a Hollywood blockbuster ending to the movie. And that's what he's talking about. Like, he says there was a multi-hour shootout and that al-Baghdadi killed himself with a suicide vest. But we
1: have this advanced killed, DNA testing to make sure it was him. Right. And
0: we apparently brought back body parts and he killed three children. And I don't know how his DNA doesn't get mixed up with the children. And maybe that throws off. through. Like, there's, there's so many things that yeah. sound questionable in this. Now, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. That he, It may very well be that he's just doing a standard narcissistic exaggeration right. of what actually happened. But Russia has actually cast some doubts on this, saying we weren't aware of any operations in the area. Now, granted, Russia may just be trying to <laughs> just, just be in dicks to him, <laughs> which, which wouldn't be out of character. On, on brand. Yeah. On brand.
1: And evidently, uh, the other reporting was that Russia found out about the raid before House leadership. Yeah. Which, okay, I think that's kind of terrible, but at the same time, I also think, you know, the Russians are in the
0: area. Right, like, we need to make sure we're not like, hey, guys, we're going to, like, go shoot some stuff over here, so don't get worried about it. Right. (laughs) Especially because, and we'll talk
1: about this in a second, the Russians have not only their troops in the area, but the Russian government funds mercenary armies... In Syria and the Middle East as well. Yeah. So you've got lots of official and unofficial and officially unofficial actors. Yes. As it turns
0: out, Syria is a little bit of a
1: mess. Little bit of a mess. So, I, look, again, this is, an, an, this is a positive accomplishment. Without a doubt. We assume. We,
0: assuming it's true. But, But, you know, I think he was hoping for this, like, you know, like Obama getting Bin Laden kind of bump out of this. And most of the talk, like, this was in the news for half a day maybe before we started just talking about Trump getting booed at the Washington Capitals game. Like, that's how how much he's lost control of of what's going on. So, again, Washington Nationals fans...
1: And Astros fans who were there, thank, thank you for you. your service. Thank you for your service. And also, really, to the to the men and dogs. Uh, Apparently, uh, yes, dogs uh, who were there in the raid. I mean, I, I'm, if it, you were there, it was thank you. it was good, good work job. to be done. The work got done, and yes, so objectively good. Yes, now, the rest of Syria objectively terrible. Right, so. We're out of here. We're leaving. Everybody's coming home, but not coming home. They're going to Iraq, but not really to Iraq. They're kind
0: of now. They're we're just going to go protect some oil fields. I don't know. We're yeah. Let's let's go hang out by the oil fields. This seems like a nice place to be. Uh. I, I mean, I mean, it's one of those things where just like, could that
1: could anything be more predictable? Right. You know, like we're going to leave the people that helped us, and we're going to go protect the oil.
0: Yeah, it, it's the usual thing of Trump saying the quiet things out loud. Like, here's your stage directions, and he just keeps saying what the stage directions are. Oh, say something racist. No, you're not supposed to say that part. Oh, But it's right there on the page. Oh, take over the oil fields. No, 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 you're not supposed to talk about... The first rule about taking over oil fields is that you don't talk about
1: taking over uh, oil fields.
0: There is some chance that there will be a long-term upside to Trump. Now... Will it outweigh all of the downsides? Not even close. But it does sort of highlight some of those things that have been understood, things that were accepted that weren't good. Yeah. That, that are now being called out in very obvious ways. And, like, you know, degrees of corruption and, and you know, the, the real roots of what we do with our foreign policy and all of that. So, uh, I mean, you know, we've got, we're going to have troops there. I don't know if they're going to get in conflict with Russia or Turkey or Syria or whoever. Right. Or, you know, and this is the other thing. So the Russians kind of came out and said, like,
1: you can't go surround the oil fields. It's, like, just piracy. That's not yours. But the Russians have been funding mercenary groups to do this very thing. Right. So it really is like, hey, that's our job. Right. What are you doing? That's our job.
0: Well, like, who... Who's selling? Because I mean, okay, the the oil is getting drilled out of the ground, right? And that's going somewhere to be sold, and somebody's moving that oil. Like, who is that entity? Is it you know the uh, is it Gazprom, the the big oil? I'm trying to remember the big oil company from Russia. <laughs> I like, thought Gazprom was natural gas. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm not trying to be sarcastic about it. I mean, right, right, right. right. No, I, yeah, I forget. But okay, is it stat like, but is it ExxonMobil? You know, no, is no, it, Exxon is, Mobil? is yeah. it Shell? Is it, you know, who knows? I'm sure somebody does. So uh, I don't know if what our troops being there does. does. And it, yeah. is, it, it is interesting, though, that we've moved our troops in there, but we, and we've also recently moved our troops into Saudi in Arabia. Arabia to protect that oil, too. So, like, what's going on here? Yeah,
1: I don't know if the oil is, is kind of pumped from Syria down through Iraq to Saudi Arabia. I mean, Iraq has has facilities well, think, to process. I think and the refine. oil was
0: going out through Turkey. Was that and that was part of what Turkey's involvement in all this is? Who knows? It's a mess.
1: I, I mean, you so, look at it and you just say,
0: clearly, what's
1: going on is not just about ISIS. It's not just about. The people.
0: It's about the money. Yes. Yes. All about the money. Uh, all right. So, series a mess. Got that covered. Good. Um, Speaking of messes, is Hong Kong a mess? Still a mess. Okay, still a mess. Good to know. Um, I,
1: but again, this is the kind of mess that I think it's good to talk. It's a different kind of mess.
0: It is. So after. It's more weeks. of a grassroots-driven mess instead yeah. of a top-down-driven mess. Yeah. But you know, there's a little bit of that too. But. So the Hong Kong government
1: finally withdrew and killed this extradition law. Um, so I assume w- the protests are done. Yeah, hey, but no. Oh. Yes, but actually no. Oh. Protests continue. I, you know, I, and we're at this place now where I think it's hard to know. I think it's probably hard to quantify what the protests are about that aren't existential. You know, that's just like there was a law that was proposed, this extradition law, that was essentially would let the Chinese government ca- come in and take anybody they want and take them out, right them right, right. to China, and people were disappearing and like, again, objectively bad.
0: And that started things, but it's morphed and it's grown. Well, and I think a lot of it from, you know, obviously from an outside view, it's like, it's you look at a lot of what's happened around these protests and there's yeah. a very clear influence from this, the central Chinese government on what's going on and so the protests are still reacting to that outside force even yeah. if that specific law isn't in place but yeah. I don't know what the end game of this is
1: well that, that is a really interesting question because you know, because there are no sort of clear this is what we want other than to really have a true democratic society
0: yeah which isn't it going to be a thing probably is not going to be a scene a yeah thing. Um, um, yeah and we know that um you know obviously this has been ongoing um the hong kong economy has been is actually officially in a recession at yeah, this yeah which point. is crazy um you know so there's there's going to be a lot of motivation to Bring this to an end But I'm not sure How it gets there
1: Uh, I don't I don't see it either Um, I don't see it either And Like on one hand China could capitulate But why would they Because Hong Kong Is like this great Economic engine And they're sort of Monetary entree Into the rest of the world On the other hand I mean The protests could die out But my god It's been 12 weeks yeah, and it's not slowing down. The other side is that China could crack down. Then does that make? Does that put people into a position other countries where they treat? They treat all of Hong Kong as a pariah, yeah. and companies like HSBC are shut out of other markets. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it is a mess. Keep supporting everybody there. Um any way you can support the
0: protesters there do so yeah. uh so moving on from there uh is uh, brexit a mess totally a mess totally a mess okay. hey, but you know
1: what it's it's like future future england's mess now F- J- january thirty first twenty twenty january thirty
0: first is the new date yeah the it's new the new home mess
1: yeah i mean Boris Johnson is just getting his ass kicked. Oh yeah, every way possible. Which I very much enjoy. Oh man, and all of my British friends are like, "This is." I know this is stressful and it's bad for the economy, and there are lots of terrible things. But my God, could this not happen to a better person? Yeah, and I guess he, you know, he'd like to have elections, general elections
0: in the, in the UK in December by Christmas, basically. That would give you know the, whatever f- future governments a monthish to like figure it out before they fall off the cliff. I mean, I mean, I, I'm
1: I'm here to tell you right now that Boris Johnson loses, the Tory party loses in December, and there is like within seven to ten hours another vote to stay or remain, and that England never leaves the EU. Yeah. Or if they do, it's like in name only. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see, like, I feel like what happened with the U.K. and Brexit and what happened with the U.S. in the 2016 election are similar in terms of, like, you know, there was perhaps a majority that was not as energized as they should have been to, to yeah. stop something crazy from happening. Then the crazy thing happened and, you know, it looks like the UK is going to get a chance to say, all right, are we going to undo this? Are we going to, are those people going to get out and change this vote? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then I feel like it's sort of like, I'm, I'm hopeful that that all really goes well and it sort of foretells similar things happening here.
1: Yeah. And look, there was also a part of me that was like, "Brexit's happening on Halloween, and I'm supposed to go to England the week after. Yeah, and I just wanted to see the chaos. Right. I mean, the chaos.
0: Yeah, like you know, like you know. But, but I'm also
1: happy not having, you, having the chaos. Yeah, right.
0: Like like, <laughs> like most of you is like, this is a bad thing. People will suffer. I am not liking this. But there's always going to be that little human. Yeah, yeah. You know. I like car crashes. Oh, train wreck. Yeah.
1: And I was, I was thinking about this because I'm planning this trip and I'm, you know, I'm working at bringing people in from five different countries. And I'm like, maybe none of us get in. Maybe nobody can get in. Maybe yep. we, maybe I'm the only one who can get in. I just have to say I voted for Trump and they'll let me in. I, I don't know what right. it is. I don't like, know. Yeah, I don't have the rules. I'm bringing work some Coke for Boris Johnson. I don't know what it right. is.
0: Coca-Cola because he, right. he prefers
1: the Coca-Cola yes. from the U.S. You yeah. know.
0: Actually I think he likes the Mexican, you know, with the real sugar. You know? With the real sugar, yeah. yeah. That, that pure cane sugar. Right. Doesn't want to cut with anything.
1: Right. So it is a mess. <laughs> it is it is a total mess. Oh my god. You know, it's it's like a hundred days until it's still a hundred days.
0: Just just under a hundred days, all right? Yeah, just under a hundred days until Circus 2020 caucuses. finally gets underway. Election Circus 2020. It's my word. So uh, not a lot has changed. You know, obviously we're sort of in this, you know, things are happening on the ground in Iowa. People are out there knocking on doors. Uh, we've got another debate coming up. Uh, 22nd sure um nine people qualified so far jesus christ (laughs) i'm so like can we just here's what drives me insane at this point is if you look at the polling you've got Buttigieg, warren biden sanders harris 20th by the way 20th those are the only people who have any kind of real shot at winning this at this point Like like Yeah. Like okay, fine, like one or two others, maybe you throw them on the stage. Okay. We don't need nine people up there. We need to cut this down to like six.
1: Yeah, six would be good.
0: We'll take the six number.
1: And yeah. December's gonna get much harder, right? So the December debates are gonna get harder to,
0: to get in. So you've gotta be I feel like that many, many four percent already for December. But uh yeah, it is, it is a little bit harder. Like I think that's when we're finally going to get to a reasonable number of people being on the stage. But I said that for November, and clearly I'm wrong.
1: Well, in December, they have to be 4% in the polls in four national or early state polls. Yeah, which I don't think— Or 6% in two early state polls. Okay. So it could be like 6% in—yeah, uh, I don't know. And then 200,000 donors— So, like, right now there are only three candidates qualified for December. And there are nine for November. So Okay. Looking forward to December. I mean, but, yes, so you're right. There's not a lot changed. You know, after the, the last debates we did see, and we talked about this last week, we saw a bump for, can I say a Buddha bump? You can. I think you did. I think I should. A Buddha bump. Especially in Iowa, so in a budget. Well,
0: and actually, I've only seen it in
1: Iowa at this right. point. So, I mean, the last national polling numbers were still Biden up by,
0: yeah, seventeen points. And, and, or something. and something, you know, it, it, one of the things that we're going to see start to unfold is, you know, like we're we're all sort of operating at the national level, right? We see the debates. Yeah. But you know, if you're in Iowa, I I guarantee you there's there's a line of people at your door. Oh like, man. Some knocks. And the next person goes and they knock. I mean, it's just like, it's got to be pure hell. <laughs> um, and so, all the Buttigieg people, all the Warren people, all the Biden people, all the Sanders people, all the Harris people, all the. Yeah, you get the point. Um, so, that's going on. And so, that may be part of why Buttigieg has seen a little bit of a bump. Mostly, it seemed like he saw a bump since the uh, the last debate, right? Um, Where he was super aggressive. Right. And so he got a bump there, but then it's like he's been pretty steady. So what we're seeing in the polls right now is Buttigieg being up about seven relative yep. to where he was, um, you know, a few months ago, in a couple different polls. Warren has been steadily climbing. Biden has been steadily declining, and Sanders has been pretty steady.
1: Steady Sanders.
0: Yeah. So, um, Sanders, I you know he's been getting endorsements. I will say he hasn't seen any downside from any of the health concerns around him. Um, but I think it comes down to there's there's a certain loyal group of people who really like Sanders. And they're not going to be swayed off of Sanders no matter what. But he also isn't gaining people at this point. At least not in any polling I've seen.
1: Right. Uh, although, here's one of the things that I have seen sort of underneath the numbers. Is that people's second choices have started to swing. Yeah. Yeah. So we've talked about this five or six times, um, mostly me, because I found it very interesting. You know, is that, you know, at first it was like, I want Biden. If I can't have Biden, give me Sanders. Yes. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. It's like 60% of the time, it works every time. I like, I like old people time. whose names are familiar. Yeah. And they're like, and, and vice versa. We were like, I want Sanders. And if it's not Sanders, give me the other old white guy. Right. I mean, it was like, Amazing. But now people, you're starting to see people, especially on the Sanders side, saying, if I can't have Sanders, give me Elizabeth Warren. Right. Right. And I think, you know, the other thing that, and I think this is where Biden's, um, Biden's, uh, Biden and Buttigieg are, are starting to see similar messaging, is that the... You know, the judge folks are saying from a strategy perspective, let's be let's be the Biden folks second choice. Yeah. And you know, that messaging and the way he attacked Elizabeth Warren around
0: Medicare for all, I think that is that is the strategy. Yeah, and it's he's not gonna get he's definitely not gonna get Sanders supporters. He's no. and it seems unlikely that he would get Warren supporters at this point but I think that's that's a certainly more possible thing but but by attacking Warren that actually hurts him there so I don't think that that that's not what he's going for it's yep. gonna be pick up the remains of, of Biden and, and hope he can put together enough numbers to you know if he can win in Iowa or do well in Iowa that at least establishes his credibility to say all right I'm in this for real and uh, yeah I mean he's got he's got to be third or better in Iowa yeah now, one um, w- thing that will get interesting for him is uh, some of the legal stuff that's been going on around South Bend. Yeah, and so and this is this has gotten a little bit in the news. Um, mostly, this has been something that's been covered by the Young Turks um, because they've have they they have like an independent investigation group that sort of operates independent of their political. Yeah, news. right. Um, and they had been investigating this for a while, and there was a whole deal around. Uh, uh, Buttigieg firing the black police chief in South Bend. And apparently, there's a recording of white police officers, uh, who were looking to influence Buttigieg in firing, uh, this police chief. And there's been a lawsuit, uh, to make those recordings public. Um, and, and apparently, there's some racist stuff in there. One of the th- quotes that has circulated is, uh, the white police officer is saying uh, it's going to be a fun time when all white people are in charge. So now the question becomes for Buttigieg is, like, what's the connection between these people have their motivations for why they're doing it and the decision that he made? Yeah. Um, and it may not be clear, but if this is out there and if he's getting subpoenaed and has to appear in court during all of what's going on, I mean, as somebody, I mean, like, I'm going to be honest. Is like I'm not a Buttigieg fan, but, like, I start getting nervous in terms of, like, you remember Edwards? Oh. And, like, yeah. and, like, had we nominated him, and he was certainly in the close running, and he had gotten into the general, we would have been screwed because then all the shit about him cheating on his wife and da-da-da would have all come out at exactly the wrong time. And so I see this, and I'm like, I don't know yeah. if what's there will will cause him problems, but it certainly doesn't look good. Yeah. And
1: there could be something there. Yeah. Um. Uh, so Biden, who's been kind of he's been trailing in you know, losing progress or losing ground in some polls. Yeah. And trailing in fundraising. Yeah. Yeah. Has, and his
0: fundraising, I think it's And it's less about the trailing in fundraising. It's more about it has fallen off. So he was doing much better in fundraising, and now he's done less good in fundraising. So less well, less good, less well. Yes.
1: He's also done less good fundraising. That's true. Because now he's saying he's accepting super PAC money. Yes, he's now doing bad fundraising. Yeah, exactly. More bad fundraising as opposed to less Uh, good fundraising.
0: It's an interesting choice because, I mean, obviously it's bad PR to say he's going to be taking super PAC money. Um, But it also takes control away from him because the super PAC can't coordinate with them. So they're just going to be doing independent expenditures and doing whatever they're doing. So they could be attacking Buttigieg or Warren or whoever. I mean, and if you're Biden, do you go after Warren or do you go after Buttigieg? Uh, It's going to be interesting to see if Biden ever
1: really decides to get into the fray because I still think that his his strategy is to... His strategy is to, to be above the fray. I'm the front runner. I don't need to mix with everybody. I don't need whatever I can do with the old runner, school way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I. Let's talk about Biden after the November or the December debates. Yeah. I mean, we give it another month month and a half. I. I all the messages we get now are so mixed yeah, between the early state polls and some fundraising numbers at the quarter and the national polls where some of them are like, my God, he should pack it in. The other ones are like, oh, no, he's fine. Yeah, he's still ahead. And um, So we'll see, I mean, I, I think after December how some of that shakes out because it, right now it's really easy to build either narrative that you want, Yeah, that Biden is still strong and
0: fine and everything's
1: good. And that he's circling the yeah.
0: Uh It is interesting is that Trump has been spending money t- attacking Biden at this point. Yeah. I mean, beyond spending, you know, government defense resources on right. attacking Biden. But um, so he seems to be convinced Biden's still the target. But, you know, I don't that doesn't. I don't think he knows what he's doing. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, well, and they've got enough money that they can. Right. Uh, there's enough to go around.
0: I, and, and I will
1: say. To be honest, if Biden stays in the race just to get attacked by Donald Trump, I'm okay with that too. Yeah, like I'm, I'm happy take with the,
0: take that. Yeah, take it. Um, Sanders
1: has gotten a bunch of endorsements. Yeah, yeah,
0: nationally and locally. Yeah, um, you know he's gotten the uh, half of the squad. He now has three quarters of the squad. Three quarters uh, squad vote. That's yes, good. Uh, Rashida Tlaib has signed on. Uh, she had been. People were saying that she had uh, endorsed him previously, but now he have, she has officially yeah. caught up on that, so that's good for him. Um, and then uh, Warren got some endorsements, kind of a half endorsement from George Soros. That was a which, really interesting
1: interview, wasn't which it? Which I
0: think is the first time I've heard George Soros do anything positive for any candidate that I've liked. Yeah,
1: and he said, I think... She's the only one qualified to be president, right? Yeah, he didn't which is actually endorse. Like, he explicitly it.
0: said, "I don't endorse people," but it, but she's the only she's the most qualified. Like, okay. Um, and then also Katie Porter, who is a, a congresswoman from California, uh, endorsed him or endorsed Warren, excuse me. Uh, and she's originally from Iowa, so maybe that has some weight. But has some overall. I don't think endorsements matter, a Hill of Beans. <laughs> Not, no, not, not a lot. Not rates.
1: No, I will say, um, and this is crossing over to local, but like half the aldermen endorsed Bernie Sanders this week as well. Okay. Okay. The ones you'd expect. Um, so there it In is. In spite of Warren showing up, they endorsed well, Bernie Well, Bernie was here earlier for yes, the strike. Yes, 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 yes. Um,
0: yes, and I note that no other... Candidates are showing up for no. the teachers. No, judge not showing up for the teachers.
1: No. No. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Maybe where does that all important chance the rapper
0: yeah. endorsement go? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. And if you didn't hear about this, uh, uh, because he appeared on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, he was the
1: host and musical guest. Yes. And he came out in a CTU t shirt. Yes. And it was great. It honestly was in response to a tweet from somebody in CTU. They had a hat, I don't know, it said Chance on the back. And they said, We're representing you. Do you have our back? Or something like that. Yeah. And his response was just, I got you. And. Showed up, and we'll talk about this in local, but like showed up for his monologue in a CTU t-shirt or sweatshirt. And then at the closing, there were several people on stage wearing CTU shirts. So, you know, something. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Uh, And if you want to know how we feel about that,
0: tune in for the local podcast. That's right. That'll come up right after this beer. Yes. Uh, so this week we are at the Eris. Is it a Cidery, or is it just a brewery? Like, what do they officially? It's brewery and like? cider house. By, brewery and cider house. Okay. Brewery. Um, and this cider is actually, house. I think, only our second time recording here. Yes. Um, and really, really like this place. I really love the space. Um, I don't know why this is only our second time coming here, but it's it's a pretty cool place. Yeah, I I will say a couple things
1: about Eris. Uh, one, the women who own it and run it are fantastic. Uh, the ciders and the beers are amazing. They do great collaborations. They do great blends. Yeah. The so blends, I, start- I are the most interesting. Oh, thing. man. Yeah. I started with a Foikenberry,
0: which is a cider and beer blend. And I am and actually just now yeah. starting into a Foykenberry myself. So it's, let me give a... It's a, a d- blend
1: of a, a, a cider called the Van Van Mojo, which is a blueberry cider hopped with mosaic hops like okay awesome and then
0: they have a new england style ipa and they blend those so will steve like a hoppy beer combined with a cider let's find out i've put three responses up on the board oh that's lovely it is lovely yes i mean no, like the fruitiness bounces out the the hops i mean yeah, and the hops are very subtle in it it's so not, good not as so hoppy as good. you think and
1: this is a place where uh, we've been with our family. Uh, I've been here, you know, with us. I, I've been several times. And there were a couple times that it was just too loud for my kids, honestly. And we had to, like, we were like, uh, we, we yeah. didn't think we it's could make it It's a very live, like, it's a lot yeah. of, like,
0: brick walls and things yeah, yeah. like that. It's a very, And you, it you used probably to be yeah, yeah. on
1: the mics here a bit. Prior to being the brewery and cider house, it was a... Uh, Mason Hall and it was a mosque. All right. So, and there's some cool architecture and artifacts from there. But uh, they did a ton of things to try to accommodate us and in the end they like instantly boxed up our food and helped us get I'm like I and it's the kind of place where that effort means a lot to yeah. me and uh I uh, everybody should come here. Everybody should come here all the time. It's on Irving Park it's on Irving Park, just by the freeway. You know, like come on in. Um, good food, great ciders, great beers. I, I, I can't speak highly enough about yeah, this place. Yeah, no, this is an excellent place. So it's right across from the YMCA in Irving Park. So
0: well, there you go. Go have a workout. Yeah. Come on in. Recharge, replenish. Yes, exactly. Little little beer based hydration. Uh, Yeah, so that pretty much wraps us up for this week's episode. Uh, As we said, make sure to tune in to our local podcast. And if you could please, 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 if you got this far in the podcast, rate and review us on iTunes. Just click one. Just click the star. It's the five stars. That's all we need. The star furthest to the right. The fifth star. Yes, the fifth star. It'll make us so happy. We'll sing your praises if we know who you are, which we probably won't. But that's okay.
1: All right, thanks everybody. Take, Take care. care.